You're listening to The Right Women Podcast, a platform created for Black Caribbean female writers and authors who audio scribe their origin stories and their journeys to authorship. I'm your host and storyteller, Empress Zynga. Book 1, Chapter 3, Sonia Williams. Sonia migrated to Brooklyn, New York in 1979, where she attended Brooklyn Technical High School and Hamilton College, Clinton, New York. There, she received a BA in Theatre Arts and Women's Studies and a Watson Fellowship to Nigeria in 1989. In 1990, she worked extensively with Earl Warner and is also a well-respected director and performance artist whose works have been showcased at national, regional and international events. She's also the recipient of many awards, including the Caring Williams Prize in Theatre, 1988, Watson Fellowship to Nigeria, 1989, Actress of the Year Barbados, 1990, the Governor General Award for Excellence in Drama in the Professional Category of the National Independence Festival of the Creative Arts, 1998, and the Roland Edwards Prize for her contribution to the development of the performing arts in Barbados, 2016. She has taught in communities and institutions in Jamaica, Barbados, Trinidad, including the Edna Manley College for the Visual and Performing Arts, the University of the West Indies, KFIL, and the Barbados Community College. She holds a postgraduate certificate in higher education teaching and learning. Her novella, This Too Will Pass, was published in 2014, and her intention is to facilitate the development of people and the transformation of lives through artistic excellence and service. Hi, everybody, and welcome to, once again, the Right Women podcast. I am very excited this week to share a teacher, an educator, and mentor with you, and fellow author. This is my teacher, Sonia Williams. Hi, Sonia. Hi, Keisha. Hello, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing? I am doing good. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even know where to begin. You have some very extensive work Mm -hmm. uh, even before I was a student of yours Mm -hmm. but now you have grown into something that's even more astronomical than when I first met you 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 are an amazing artist in every form because you don't only write but you're a performer as well as being an educator but how would you explain yourself as a right woman w-r-i-t-e woman (laughs) w-r-i-t-e right woman in terms of writing yes Oh, okay. Uh, I've been writing from the time I was very small. Uh-huh. Writing, um, I writing is um, just a part of what I do. Not just writing, but I think of it as the oral speaking. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though I was very shy in public, mm. in my you were private, shy? yeah, when I was little, oh, okay. in my private <laughs> spaces, I always wrote into notebooks and mm. I always said things. Like I made up songs, I mm. said things. So. So writing is about that ability to break the silence and to speak. Mm-hmm. Because if we're silent, oh my God, if we're <laughs> silent goddess, yes, there's so much to speak. Mm. Um, and not to just speak the pain and the injustice, mm. but to speak the healing mm. and, the, and, the, and the way forward and the vision. Mm. So, yeah. So 
I know you also as a very spiritual person when I was on my journey, still am, um, learning about myself, learning mm. about my history, who I am as a woman of African descent. It was like, I it was a lot to take in at first, being mm. so young and with the background that I had. And even now, you even speak about having that voice, which is very important. How is it important for Black Caribbean women to have a voice and then translate that to Paige? Um, that's so much you just said. <laughs> All right. Um, it's important for me personally on my journey mm-hmm. to have a voice and translate it onto page mm-hmm. because the oral is there. We have our grandmothers, we mm-hmm. have our aunties, we have the woman on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, to have it be legacy, to have it be inheritance, yeah. um, to have our story be inheritance because so much of our story we are rendered invisible yes. in the history books. Yes. We're absent. Yes. And so to have it spoken mm-hmm. and to have it written mm. so that future generations can read it mm. is very, very important. Mm. I think there's an alchemy to it. Mm. There's, um, it is a kind of weapon that you mm. can wield. And there's an alchemy in the sense that when I go to write, I don't just write me. I think I'm just writing me. Mm-hmm. But me is a whole set of ego. And yeah. a whole set of, you know, I have to first write through the ego of my past experiences. Uh, yes. The pain I bring with me. Mm-hmm. The joys I bring with me. The the ego, the mind always talking. The yes. mind always chattering. Mm-hmm. Thinking it knows what's going on. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, to get beyond the mind, mm-hmm. then into the body and mm-hmm. still myself. To feel my own tensions. To feel mm-hmm. where I'm holding it to release it and mm. breathe and then something happens that's beyond me yeah which is that medium that i'm medium that mm. something comes and yes. sometimes i don't know all of it what is gonna come mm-hmm. um even though i think and think and think and i analyze because <laughs> i love to do these <laughs> complex analysis sometimes i don't really know what's gonna come mm. um it starts i write something that i think i know mm. the thing that keeps echoing in my head i need to put down yeah page. and then something more comes out of it mm-hmm. and i and I, a lot of it is i think subconscious not it's way beyond subconscious it i think it's it's actually outside of me mm. but me so i'm a part of this web yeah i'm a part of of everything that exists mm. and i can tap into it mm-hmm. i can tap into it mm-hmm. when i'm silent when i go into that stillness mm-hmm. that inside goddess then i tap into stories of women from the past mm. Not during my past, but not my immediate body bodily past yeah. physical experience. Mm-hmm. I tap into messages. I tap into things that go way beyond me, and then I write it, mm. and then it's like, wow, this is what I'm writing about. I'm like, why am I writing about this? Weird thing? <laughs> you know, I have this thing called I am a tree that I've written, and I was editing it this morning for a collection. I was like, what? <laughs> you know, why did you write this? And um, I am a tree is basically about that, about how I'm connected to everything. Yeah, you know, and then after I connect to everything and this message come mm. then there is this this writer that slips in mm-hmm. that has technique and craft yes that has to go through this massive editing process yeah where every single word and placement and structure mm. and all that stuff is explored so yeah. there's another, another side of the writing outside of the spiritual mm. which is the craft of it okay you know what i mean and, mm-hmm. the, and the craft of it is it takes a lot of um a lot of tedious a lot of time i actually enjoy crafting mm. you know um I like just finding the the 
the pieces of the puzzle to make the full picture in yeah. a sense to make it have the right rhythm mm. the right voice so that when you hear it you go yeah mm. and you can just go with it mm-hmm. you know you can just go with it and see where you the reader where it takes the reader mm-hmm. you know and it, and it has this piece of truth in it mm. but you know if we even as we speak if we are not really centered we can go all over the place yes i agree so think about the writing because we write what we speak huh? mm-hmm. so it's that editing process but inside of it is that thing beyond me so mm-hmm. it's like um you become the medium the words are the medium mm-hmm. also you become a medium mm-hmm. and then there's the the actual pen on paper you know editing mm-hmm. stuff so it's it's many layers the mm-hmm. writing now tell us about your book this too shall pass Mm -hmm. um it is something that i really appreciate you writing Mm -hmm. especially from as a young caribbean woman i I really do believe that that story needed to be told Mm -hmm. but just in case um some of the audience has no idea what i'm speaking about tell them a little backstory about your book it's also it's actually this too will pass and i use the word will Mm -hmm. as opposed to shall because okay. I, um, when I write it, I write the consciousness of a little girl. Mm-hmm. So you get into her head and yeah. you get into her spirit. Mm-hmm. And you feel what's inside of her. You feel it from the belly. Mm-hmm. You feel what she's thinking going through. And it also gives some insight into the grandmother. Mm-hmm. This is a beautiful person, you mm-hmm. know, who tells her granddaughter stories. Mm-hmm. And, um, and is a part of this world. Mm-hmm. This world that is spiritual, even though she's... You know, she's in a she's an Andican woman. She's mm-hmm. you know, she's a woman who goes to church and you know, in in the English tradition. Yeah. But still very, very spiritual. Mm-hmm. And, and it's and she makes it her own. Mm-hmm. You know, she makes it work for her. Yeah. And the little girl what I'm really writing about is a kind of terror. It, you know, I know your eyes. Your eyes yeah. Because you're like, that's not really what you feel. But in order to feel Tara, you have to first feel the joy. So what I write is this little girl. You see her in her everyday with her grandmother telling stories and asking questions mm-hmm. and being really open about mm-hmm. the nature of things. Caribbean okay. is a place where you have duppies. <laughs> you know what yes. I mean? So in a magical realism, this is real. This is what we experience. But if you really look at mm-hmm. it, by the time you get to the center page of the book, you have the exploration of um, sec- of the little girl being taken by a cousin mm. in a sexual way. And uh, and that's a bit of terror. And that happens. And, and the, the terror within the trust being broken. Yes. Yeah. In the everyday. Yeah. And she didn't even know what it was that happened to her. She just knew it was painful and it was bad mm-hmm. and it was secretive and something was wrong. Yeah. And then later on in the book, the next important moment, and I'm talking too much about the moments, but you get her being beaten publicly in the name of... You know, you got to teach your children to respect you. I can't yeah. get away from you. Yeah. That old plantation thing. And it's her grandmother who does that. And mm. it's her grandmother who she loves and trusted. Yes. So her, her trust is broken twice. And then in the end, the last scene, and people don't understand how I end the book a lot. They mm. want more. Mm. But in the last scene, you have the gram- you have the crushing of the Cubana mm-hmm. in 1976, November, in, in Barbados, which mm-hmm. was the first terrorist attack that they say it's the first real terrorist attack <laughs> but we've been terrorized every yes <laughs> in the waters in, in the modern time mm-hmm. and the grandmother compares this to um a, a boy a man getting shot in Tra- strathclyde which is kind mm-hmm. of a community that um 30 40 50 years ago uh, had a sense of segregation mm-hmm. you know what i mean that unspoken yeah. it's not in the legal book but it's segregated in our minds mm-hmm. so a lot of black people didn't watch who said and a man is killed there and all of these are compared if you really check the book mm-hmm. all of these are compared and you see how you your own mother can be your terror 
you know what I mean? Yeah. But what's really good about the book is in the end, the grandmother says, yes, I was wrong. Mm. You know, I was wrong. And she cries and she holds her daughter, her granddaughter. And at that moment, everything changes for the, mm. for the, for the little for girl. The little girl. Mm-hmm. Because she realizes something that she cannot even that fully put into words. She realized that she herself is going to have to be in control of her life. Mm-hmm. So people want to know well, what happened next, what happened next. <laughs> but it's about that. It's about that moment of recognition. Mm-hmm. And most books don't end with the moments of recognition. After mm-hmm. the recognition, there's yeah. a denouement. Yeah. You go down and the wall and puts a nice little bow on top yeah, of it. And you solve it. everything. You <laughs> fix everything. But the reality is that experience is not like that. Experience, when we experience something in our lives, it comes at us again and again and again. Yeah. Especially if it's that painful. And we constantly ask to re-look at it, re-examine mm-hmm. it, and give it new meaning as we gain more knowledge and more experience of ourselves and mm. we know ourselves better yeah. and so each time we give it new meaning it, it, we can put it in a different place and we can mm-hmm. use it in a different way and we can grow out of it mm. so that's what the book is really about most of our people are saying you know where the next part <laughs> we want the next the book, book where the book two you got a book two we want to know what she do in her life you know and mm. you know so yeah the book is a real exciting book for me it challenges so much of even what um, literature defines as how a book is should be written. Yeah, it does. In and of itself. Yeah. So I think it's, it's it, for me, it was in a very important book. And now, an excerpt from This Too Will Pass by Sonia Williams. Amanda, Amanda! Cheese on, brothers! Amanda lost her rhythm. The urgency in Gran's voice forced Amanda's hands to stop crocheting. Yes, Gran! Come here now, Gran hollered. Just when it was getting into it, Amanda said to herself. Gran's voice sounded serious. Amanda wrapped the beautiful red and yellow centerpiece she was crocheting around the two balls of wool, pushed her silver crochet needle through the ball, and placed the bundle under the tent in her corner of the room. She rushed to the veranda. Amanda could hear a woman's voice from the outside, It sounded familiar, but she wasn't sure who it was. She peeped through the side window and saw Miss Brathwaite under the golden apple tree, her mouth pushed up in the air, indicating her state of distress. Gran was standing next to her with a thin tamarind rod in her right hand and her left hand on her waist like she was performing the I Am A Little Teapot song. Grand find out about the handkerchief. But why Miss Braffitt here? How she would know about the handkerchief? Amanda thought to herself. Oh no, she told her I was running on the road. Amanda! The intensity in Grand's voice made Amanda pause with her hand on the front door handle. She opened the door quietly, closed it behind her and leaned against it. Yes, Gran? Her answer was barely audible. You speak to Miss Braffitt? The look on Gran's face made Amanda pull her body in and straighten up so that she took up as little space as possible. Gran definitely knows about the handkerchief and running on the road, she thought. She wished she could slip through a crack in the earth into another world. Good afternoon, Miss Braffitt, Amanda mumbled. Good afternoon, 
Miss Brathwaite shifted her weight from side to side and looked down her nose at Amanda from her head to her toe and back up to her head again. Amanda, did you curse Miss Brathwaite? Gran inquired. Amanda's mouth dropped open in surprise. She shook her head no. Don't shake your head at me. Open your mouth and answer me when I'm speaking to you. Amanda's mouth widened in shock. Answer me, girl. You want to catch flies? Amanda closed her mouth and dropped her chin to her chest. She looked down at her bare feet. Amanda felt a lump growing in her throat. She shook her head. No. Don't shake your head at me, Grant shouted. And open your mouth and talk. Amanda stared at Miss Brathwaite. If looks could kill, Miss Brathwaite would have dropped down dead in that instant. Why is she doing this to me? Amanda's my race. Yes, that is the child that cursed me in her school, Nooney Farm. Miss Brathwaite pointed her index finger at Amanda. Amanda, I asking you for the second time. Did you curse Miss Brathwaite? Grant's face tightened in anguish. Amanda turned her head from side to side, sucking in the feeling of fear. Tear drops gathered like a peaking tidal wave at the rims of her eyelids. Shifting her weight to her right leg, she rubbed the bottom of her left foot up and down on her right calf. Stand up properly, Grant shouted. As God as my witness, Miss Braffitt kissed the palm of her hand, turned it over, kissed the back of her hand, and raised her palm to the sky. This child cursed me stink with bad words a few days ago. If not for the new Nooney farm, I would not have believed she was a school child. Tell you the truth, I know the face, but I would not have known she was Anne girl if I did not see she by Auntie Joan's shop the other day. When I find out that she was your grandchild, I could not believe it. Cousin, I know you is a God-fearing woman. This is why I come here this evening. I know you would want to know. She ran before I catch her. If I did catch her as God as my witness, I would have skinned she backside personally. Amanda backed away from the two women. She won't run. Don't let she run. Miss Braffitt shouted before Grant could say a word. I not running, I. Amanda shouted back. You got moat now. Miss Braffitt interjected. No, you got moat. The young people too disrespectful. You have to tame them for it too late. Grant grabbed Amanda by her shoulder and shook her. Girl, who you shouting at? You got enough moat now. But when I ask you a question, you can't answer me. You mother left you here and I tried my best with you. I raised you to curse big people. Huh? Answer me that. I raised you to curse? You ever see me boat hair cursing? The tidal wave peaked and its water flooded Amanda's face. Gran leaned forward, her face angry like ants in a stirred up nest. Amanda, did you curse Miss Braffitt? No, Gran. The words flow of her mouth loud and sharp. Don't you raise your voice at me, Amanda. Miss Braffitt right here. She see you with she own two eyes. Are you lying, Amanda? Is one thing to have a filthy mouth. Is another thing to be a liar, Amanda. A liar cannot be trusted. What else have you lied about? The tears were unstoppable. 
Amanda repeatedly wiped away the flood of tears with desperation. First, her right cheek with her right hand, then her left cheek with her left hand. Don't cry, or I will get you saying to cry about. Speak the truth. Grant shut the tamarind rod in Amanda's face. Amanda's breathing was jagged and panicked. She had never been beaten with a tamarind rod before, but she had heard about its sting. I want satisfaction, Miss Braffitt interjected. Spare the rod and spoil the child. The first sting across the back of both her legs took Amanda by surprise. She did a little skip and hop, holding her hands like a protective shield down the side of her body, sucking in breath through her mouth in response to the agony at the moment of the sting of the whip on her flesh. Don't tell lies. What are some of the more poignant points in your your life as an educator when it comes to writing what are some of the things you have seen or what are some of the things you think should be changed for the better within our education system yeah um in our education system i think from the from primary school we need meditation one-on-one we need we need courses where um from childhood Mm. see spirituality is at the center of who we are and in the in the education systems there's a mind body divide yeah but the body is still being developed so they have athletics but it's seen as okay that's something you do extra yeah you do your one physical ed class you run around the track and you just sit yeah a little extra credit yeah (laughs) but what you do extra you join the teams Mm -hmm. and you develop yourself and that body work is very important not just in a competitive way but that body work as a as an entrance to the gateway to who we really are in this mm. universe. And if you can teach children who they really are from the from very young, then they then a lot of the issues that you have growing up start to begin to be able to handle them and to grow out of them instead of being traumatized and and, and reliving them. And and reliving them to the extent that you cannot be you cannot function. You cannot be successful in the system. Um the system and it will change what the system is. Because from young there are courses that need to be done um, the meditation courses, the body not just as um as an entrance to breathing and the gateway, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, into this deeper listening. I think we need that in our schools. I think we also need more arts in our schools mm. because the arts is also a place where that listening manifests mm-hmm. to create out of ourselves um, because we create our world. And, you know, that whole question of do you hear the tree and all that is yeah. really a big question, you know. We create our world by what we tell ourselves in our mind constantly oh yeah about what's happening around us and sometimes we're telling ourselves some real terrible things yeah that lead to depression we blame ourselves yeah and paranoia and paranoia and self-hate mm. and all this stuff and so i think that the writing the performance art mm. all this stuff needs to be used in the school and the meditational aspect needs to be used in the school in order to to develop us into whole beings that will create a more harmonizing world okay so you are a full-time author mm-hmm. um, but you're also a mother as well and I know that to some that might seem like a luxury um, to, to be a mother and be an author full-time but are even unattainable because you'd be like all right but I got children and I got feed them and I ain't really bought this anymore so we done with this but how how do you make all of this work um, I don't know if I'm making it work or <laughs> making me work. I don't know. Um, I'll tell you, I am a mother of three children. I think my firstborn, 28, I think he suffered tremendously. Mm. 
because when I was, I had him when I was 25 and um, I wasn't ready. It's like, not these breasts. Uh, no, uh, no breastfeeding here. A week after I had him, I was on the road and exercising. What? I did not have any concept of what mothering was. I was like, why are you crying all the time? You know what I, mean? I mean, I loved him tremendously, but I had um, the support of um, his father's mom who had told me, have the child. I'm going to help you with this child. This child will lack for nothing. Mm. And so she kind of took a lot of responsibility for him mm. when I was 25. And I went off and did theater and stuff. My last two children, I'm a person of extreme behavior. <laughs> I had when I was 38. And um, my 16-year-old and my 13-year-old. And I did the opposite. I was like, you must breast. I breastfed each of them for three years. Well, so they were like your quote-unquote firstborns. You, no, you did it in reverse. I did it. In, well, they were like, I took full responsibility. Sierra will always be my firstborn. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from him. Okay. But, um, because you learn from all, all kinds of behavior. <laughs> but these two, I, um, I give everything to. Mm -hmm. I give everything to. And it was also when I started writing full, seriously. Oh, wow. And putting things into drawers. Okay. So much of this will pass was written during my pregnancies. Okay. And they allowed me to be still because I refused to go to work when mm -hmm. I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And um, I, you know, but so it is a challenge. It is not a luxury. There's nothing luxurious about it. Mm -hmm. It's extremely tiring to the extent that my body started to break down. Um, recently, I've been drinking lots of ginger and turmeric okay, and okay. stuff because having them, I, I, I had to give up something. My sacrifices was my dance because okay. I was still doing my directing mm -hmm. and my teaching mm -hmm. and writing and putting into drawers. Yeah. And so I gave up my dance. So I gave up okay. my physical. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and so instead of getting up in the morning and going jogging mm. or going for a swim, because I used to be a fanatic about exercise, mm. I get up and I deal with my children. Mm. And, um, and I don't feel like, I don't, I feel I did the right thing for the moment. Okay. okay? And I, I will get back myself. There've been moments when I've, I've gotten um, a little release and mm. stuff like that. And when I travel to perform or mm. whatever, and I get a little time. Um, so it is, it is a, a big challenge, but I will tell you, I learned, I've learned so much and I've grown so much with my children. I love them tremendously. I, I don't want to be an idiot behind <laughs> them, but I love my children. And I do everything I can to make their lives, to make sure they eat. And it's not always easy. Mm -hmm. I said to them this morning, I'm going to go get a job at the supermarket <laughs> because I you know where next money coming from. I have a story that's overdue. And if I write it, I'll get paid for it. Mm -hmm. So this morning I said, to them, you got to write this story. But I'll tell you something. My life has been so wonderful because I've had, I believe it's a spiritual thing, people mm -hmm. taking care of me, mm. not even from the island. I have two artists in two other islands who take care of me. I kid you not. So I can expect a $500, a $200 wow. every once in a while. Something's very timely. Mm. And then an old friend from college who just said, oh, here's $1,000. Oh, here's another $1,000. <laughs> I'm like, no, just pay it forward. Just pay it forward. So I've had, um, I tell you, spirits have been taking care of me. Money comes. Money comes a lot. Um, sometimes if money don't come, it stops me from mm -hmm. working. I'm trying to live in the now and not worry about tomorrow. Mm. So it doesn't stop me because I need to work and um i need to write and so 
it's very challenging. I'm very proud of my children. My son now plays national volleyball for Barbados. Go at 13. <laughs> and my daughter is a visual artist with too much mouth. <laughs> and I'm telling her, write it down, write it down, write it down. Because she's so everlastingly witty. <laughs> she's so intelligent. Mm-hmm. And and she, um, so, so it's a wonderful thing. I'll tell you something else. I didn't have them alone. They have a dad. <laughs> and um, he was a part of it. And I wonder to what extent I chose someone like him mm-hmm. he's an artist mm-hmm. i don't think he's good husband material <laughs> well I'll tell you, hear me. um he's not a man with lots of money but mm-hmm. he has lots of intelligence and mm-hmm. he cares about them and very recently as part of my healing because we were separated i ha- asked him to live with us again okay and and so him living with us gives them what i can't mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. you know he has the house is now filled with sculptures and wood mm-hmm. and <laughs> All kinds of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, he's there for them as well. Mm. And, um, you know, so he he's talking to his daughter. His daughter's a visual artist, too. Mm-hmm. So he's impacting on her. And, and you, see, you see that, um, that need that your children, um, as you say, he can provide things that you can't in certain okay. areas in terms of their development. I think that's, as usual, uh, my teacher is teaching me very forward thinking, especially in terms of um, co-parenting and habitat space and, and spirituality and how all of these energies are coming together yes. to make a, a stronger, cohesive connection with these children because some parents would be like, yeah, I ain't really about that and that mm-hmm. done it, done. It, mm-hmm. it, is, it is finished. Mm-hmm. You can go by your father when you feel like, but don't bring him here. Like, no, no. But it is, it is warming to see that you are allowing those experiences to happen because yes. they need to happen and and even though the journey of the two parents may not be working out as 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 both My would have wife, thought yeah. um there is still a respect for the children yeah and for ourselves and each other yeah and it's about healing i remember i was doing meditations about two years in the morning mm. every morning begging for the healing of my family mm. and his and and that extends to his parents mm. my parents everything hasn't worked out fully yet mm-hmm. but some has you know and and one day it, it the voice said to me go to him and say these words to him mm. you know because he hadn't spoken he's so stubborn he hadn't spoken <laughs> to me for a very long time and we're intelligent people we never physically fought and cursed each other okay i just kind of walked away i kind of mm. walked away mm-hmm. you know and and um and i spoke to him and he said well i don't have lots of money but i, I will help anyway i can and then i i moved into the area and then i when i was moving out again i said I went and was going away. So I said, come and keep the children while I go away. And then I said, why don't you just, you seem very happy. Why don't you just stay and work? You can go home when you want. Mm-hmm. And he never went home, <laughs> you know. And I think the children did so much for him. And and I think we're both healing. And mm-hmm. and it's a very important spiritual journey for me. Mm-hmm. Very important spiritual journey. Because um, it's way past, I've gone past that possessiveness. You know, you know, you usually there's a possession thing that happens with men and women sometimes, you know, and and it's gone past so much to be able to live with another human being Mm. and and love yourself Mm -hmm. and be and love and, and not, you know, 
and being accepting yeah accepting another human being not because you want something from them in yeah. that kind of a way to serve to serve a higher purpose which mm-hmm. is the children yeah so it's it's a real challenge so so and when the money runs out not to say to myself well you don't get get some money you know, <laughs> you know, you know that voice in your head like, well you don't do something you know what I mean like you know like it's it's really important spiritual growth like yeah. I went under the mango tree and got some mangoes you didn't have you know this is, this is good breakfast you yeah. know and I bring some mangoes and I did it three or four mornings in a row the morning I didn't do it nobody did it and I, and I was like and the next time I did it everybody came and started eating mangoes uh-uh. and I looked at him I said it's interesting you don't go and get mangoes but you always eat mangoes <laughs> and that's part of the self that you know says why don't get up and do yeah, it yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know and then I said well I'm joking mm-hmm. but that's a part of myself that I have to always fix you know mm-hmm. so I go for mangoes fine that's my choice yeah. I can't make you go for the mangoes yeah. you yeah. know what I mean and you, maybe you choice. can maybe you're the only person who can get the right ones <laughs> <laughs> ridiculous no. it is just who we are that acceptance of who we are i am that kind of person you yeah. know i'm the kind of person that if i don't have i get we're looking for a tamarind tree mm. and and i think that he's grown a bit because um i develop relationships with neighbors yeah i help with the neighbor's babies Aww. you know and um and the neighbors then feel like they can come and say something to me, ask me for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. to get him to be, a, and what has happened recently is one of the neighbor's wife, she makes soaps. So now she's talking to Walter and they're doing things for each other. Mm-hmm. And he's not the kind of person who goes and talks to neighbors. Mm. He's very, very introverted. Very, yeah, even more than I am. Mm. And so, like, you watch growth. Mm-hmm. You know, don't feel shame. Mm. We don't need to feel shame and pride about whether we have or we have not. Mm-hmm. And this is something our society wants to make us feel mm. that it's not good to ask. Mm. That you must have. Mm. If you don't have something, is wrong with you. Yeah. So we're being defined by our material things. Like mm. he has a car, you don't. So the mm. one that has a car is better. You know, that, all that whole material thing. You know yeah. what I mean? We, we have to get over a lot of that material thing mm. and really look at into each other's eyes and spirit and, and see connect. this other human being. Yeah. This other human being. You yeah. know. Yes. So, um, so it's a lot of important growth, you mm. know. The children have bought to me, and I and I love them, and I, even their dad, you know, I, I love him, you know, for who he is. You mm. know what I mean? When you go through this entire process of trying to get your entire life together, and I mean in terms of like business mind, you you train to. You, I mean, you have your artist. The the children have their artist dad in the house, and you're teaching them how to become better people in business as people who are in the community when you started to do all of these different books all of these different plays because you are a playwright mm-hmm. when you did all this stuff how did you get to the point of publishing because people might think that i i might not be able to attain that goal mm-hmm. i might be this is my first time going to authorship mm-hmm. i might not be able to get the right channels to publishing house i might have to do it on my own what were some of the challenges you faced that you found um you found some techniques or you found a way around them well the first thing you have to feel inside yourself is that your work is good enough i think that's the hardest thing and mm-hmm. and even up to the other day you I mean, I question my work. I mean, recently I was reading, okay, I was reading, I read four books and like three in about five, six days wow. that were from Boca's mm-hmm. Burt Award, which is the Children's Book Award. Okay, yeah. Because my book, This Too Will Pass, somebody, um, the the editor of the journal in Yui Mona mm-hmm. told me I should have sent it to the Burt. And, but when I looked at the Burt um, criteria, it was, pages too short so i got 
discouraged. Mm-hmm. I didn't send it. And I read these other books. And I said, oh, my God, but my, my writing is good enough. It, yeah. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you want to know, is your writing good enough? Um, so it, to get my book published, first I had sent it into a Frank Collymore when I first wrote it. Yeah. And I got an honorary mention, and that was not good enough for my ego. <laughs> I was like, honorary who? I don't want that. I did not even go to I know, the ceremony. I, I know Sonia very well, folks. <laughs> I have been her student for a very long time, so this is nothing that is new to me. Carry on, Smiley. I wanted to be the best, and I <laughs> really have to get over that sometimes you know i want it to be the best competitive uh, i didn't realize i was i was like i'm not very competitive but i am and um so i put it away and, and a few years later i went to one of the judges and i said well why wasn't my book good enough mm-hmm. and he said your book just needed editing mm. you just wrote it and send it in yeah and that's when i learned that i needed to really get an editor mm. and so i started rewriting the book and restructuring really okay the book and then i found an editor mm-hmm. who was Carol Carol Pitt, mm-hmm. and she liked the book, and she edited it, and she did. We, so we did a kind of self-publishing. Okay. But Carol Pitt published it, right? Mm-hmm. But what happened is that while she was publishing, she was saying to me, "My company is bankrupt, mm-hmm. and I can help you to publish this, but whether or not I'll be able to distribute it, okay, cetera, okay, you know, yeah. might be an issue." And then by the time she worked out. She was. She set up a whole new structure okay. that was international with her business. Mm-hmm. So by the time she done that, I taken the taken the book. I mm-hmm. gave her the rights to the book. So that was self publishing because I paid her for the process. Yeah, and it wasn't too expensive. I paid her, and the money came magically. I didn't always as always. Yeah, like <laughs> you don't know you have the money and you just start doing it and yeah. then it comes. And um and I so I've been responsible for printing and distributing it. Mm. I've managed to get it to Trinidad and oh, England. Beautiful. And you know, different places, St. Martin. And mm-hmm. But um, I still was convinced I had a better book in me to write. And, okay. you know, I kind of slowed down with it. My next two, my next, the my collection of poetry embodied knowings, which I called her Bald Head Luminous, because mm-hmm. it was a courier poem that I, I put together and called her Bald Head Luminous. I restructured it. Korea poem is the poems for the stage and I restructure them and work with them for the page okay. which I think have a different aesthetic yeah yeah and um, and then and I won a Frank Colomo Literary Award with that okay. in 2018 mm-hmm. and then um, on liberty on liberty which is the, the Rastafarian idea of liberty yeah um, which I wrote that, that 2018 summer on on uh Writer's Residency in Trinidad that Makemba Kunle organized for me oh, wow. at Studio 66. Mm-hmm. That's the magic I'm talking about. And we went to Tobago mm-hmm. and I stayed with Nap- um, at Bendeley's, this, this outdoor, um, <laughs> this kind of Rasta place mm-hmm. where the sheds are finished built, <laughs> but it's so beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so like I got a curtain for a door. And, you know, and it was really nice. A lot of mosquitoes, but let me tell you, <laughs> Bendele's place was beautiful and they got tons of poems with no electricity around. Which is sometimes you need to disconnect. Yeah. And on Liberty won and that collection won in Mm two thousand and nineteen. And Kendall Hippolyte took me on. Mm. He became my mentor about two and a half years ago. Almost three. Jealous. So he went through (laughs) I went through let me tell you. I'll send Kendall a ten line poem and I'll get down the side Mm. a page of critique. Yeah. And um, when we started to do this over Embodied Knowings, we mm-hmm. did that after it had won. Mm-hmm. 
we did that critique and we've been we went through a two-year process well and when i was finished kendall said well this is good enough mm. to be published and um, it's in the hands of a press in england nice so i'm waiting to get a response from that press and he said sonia whether or not this press publishes it mm -hmm. this is good enough to be published this wow. is beautiful work and it needs to be out there and so I'm waiting to hear from that publisher before I send it to another publisher. Mm -hmm. I, also, I also have a Caribbean publisher interested in it, mm -hmm. and they've sent me negotiations, but I haven't said yes to any okay. anyone yet. Okay. So, um, and I'm working on a collection of short stories. And I think once you, you get to the stage that your work is good enough, mm -hmm. that you need to start thinking about publishing. There's something to be said for self-publishing because there's something to be said for me being on, in the streets of Bridgetown and day-to-day -day people buying my book and coming back and saying, your book is so good. Mm. I read your book and it made me feel something and I want one for my friend. There's something about publishing locally that is powerful because remember, when you publish internationally, a large percentage of the profit from that book really goes to the publisher in that foreign country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the publisher makes the investment of your cover, your layout, you're editing yeah so they're gonna get their money back yeah and you're gonna get maybe two three dollars on every book mm. if you're you know what i mean and it adds up because yeah. they sell so many yeah it's only when they sell a few that you realize you're getting a very little money on your book so if our country really wants money to come here from our writers we need to publish here mm. and have the money coming in here so not only should we publish here but i think you shouldn't at the same time that you want to make sure you have this sense of my work is good enough, you don't want to rush into publishing. You want to take your time and go through your editing processes. There are different kinds of editing, editing for structure, editing for, for um, grammar, grammar, editing. And then when you're writing um, nation language, as I do, with a sense of you want people outside of the nation to read it, you know, how do you find the right balance? And I think a lot of young people who self-publish do it too quickly. Because realize, once the book is out there, it yeah, is it out gone. there. Yeah. You understand yeah, me? You, can pull it back you can't pull it, it back. Pull it back. Oh, it gone. Yeah, it's out there. And, and there are one or two poets that I've been talking to, and I've been saying to her specifically, you know, let me see it. Like, some people are so guarded with their work like they don't want to it's so good to have a community that you can work with as writers you know you don't necessarily have to go and do a degree in creative writing yeah. but you have to find people around you who are critical don't just have your friends say yeah this is good mm -hmm. because they're glad you're emoting and expressing yourself mm -hmm. because when you write for me writing is a craft mm -hmm. as much as it's spiritual it's also a craft mm -hmm. and you want to be the best at your craft that you yeah. can be so make sure you develop yourself get some go to some workshops i look for workshops to go to as well mm -hmm. go to workshops um, in the Caribbean, internationally, look for mm -hmm. residencies. If you're young, get out there mm -hmm. and have some experience and let your writing grow. Okay? What would be three books? Probably have a plethora of books. Oh, God, you want to kill me. Books. <laughs> uh -huh. Gee, like, guys, if you're going to Sonia's house, you can just see books. Books going to be everywhere. <laughs> books on the ground, books on the chair, books for the shelf, books on the TV. Like, books is just be everywhere. And then she got paper on the ground that got placed on it. Like, it's be a whole different world. <laughs> Sonia is a book. Literally, I love a book. <laughs> but like, what what three books would oh you God. recommend? They don't have to necessarily mm -hmm. be female Caribbean mm -hmm. authors, but anything that you think would be good for anybody. It could be fiction. Um, it could be realistic. It could be sci-fi. It could be anything, or it could even be in terms of business, in mm -hmm. terms of how to publish a book. What three books 
come to your mind. I know that at least two of them gotta be spiritual. So two books that what? That for that, what? that you would recommend that a writer read. A writer? Yes. Okay. Woo! Take a minute. Okay. <laughs> All right. For the spiritual one, I would say The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. Elkhart Toll. Do I say his name right? We'll say yes. Okay. The Power of Now, <laughs> Elkhart Toll. Instead, instead, in, in terms of dealing with your own self, mm-hmm. not being anxious about that whole thing of like, I got to produce and I got to be the okay. best and I got to be this. Really getting you into your now, into mm-hmm. yourself mm-hmm. and what you feel and all that. Mm-hmm. And it's a very small book. Okay. So um, that's good. Um, three books I would recommend to writers. You shouldn't tell me ahead of time. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I get it on the spot. That way I didn't tell you nothing. Well, I'll tell you something. My, one of my favorite writers to this day is Gabriel Marquez. Okay. Okay. I find his novellas, mm-hmm. they're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I especially like his writing because of the way he makes magic part of the everyday. Mm-hmm. And the way he ties, like he's telling the experience and it's believable, even though it's so fantastic. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes the truth is so fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't be, that is what really happened. You mm-hmm. cannot believe it. Mm-hmm. I like his writing. Um, and a third, I'm blocked. I'm totally blocked because <laughs> three or four names are coming through my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, another person is, I think of Song of Solomon and I think of Beloved, okay. Toni Morrison. Yeah. I think of Toni Morrison. Okay. Um, she's a tremendous she writer. Is. She's a tremendous writer. She makes me feel mm-hmm. and she takes us into other places as well. Oh. Yeah. Well, this is like coming down to the episode or as i call them the chapters mm-hmm. um it has been a really good chat Sonia. yes like we could literally sit down here and talk forever it's true it's true <laughs> it's like catching up with an old friend oh, it's catching up with mm-hmm. the old friend not like catching up with the old friend so yes. thank you so much oh if anybody wanted to contact you where can we find you where can okay you your okay all right um well if you really really want to have a chat if you're a writer i really into communities of writers if you're writing you want somebody to read a one that's something less than seven pages mm-hmm. and say okay respond to me or you want community you can send me an email at omishola o-m-i-s-o-l-a 46 <laughs> at gmail.com if you want to whatsapp me i'd even is it i'll leave my number um you can get me at 246 248 nice. if you um I'm on Facebook as Sonia Suzette Williams because I didn't know any better. <laughs> uh, my books are on Amazon and they're in Trinidad at Normandy Hotel at the bookshop there. And they're in, um, at, not Saul. I want to say Saul is not Saul. Oh, God, the bookshop where they sell school books and his name is gone from my head. Don't um, um, on Prince Henry Street. Um, my books are also at the University of West Indies. They're at um, oh God! They're here in Pelican Village. Mm-hmm. They're at different spots in, in Barbados, but you can get them from me as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Caribbean Art of Gallery of Caribbean Art in Spike Stone, Amazon. Amazon. You can get them on Amazon. Um, there's a gentleman in London who sells them anyway, but I don't know where he sells them. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but you can send me an email, and I can let you know where to get the book. I'm also available for directing. Mm-hmm workshops i do workshops um for self-empowerment mm-hmm. as well as for artist development mm-hmm. um 
my next workshop is at UWE in the summer. Yay! Um, I do also direct projects. My night direct directing project is in England. I'm directing country, um, mother country, mm-hmm. um, on the on Mary Prince's life in England. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what else? Yeah, so you can connect to me that way. Sweet. Ah, I see you're still here. Great. Here's a sneak peek of next week's chapter. Writer, author, poet, and activist from Trinidad, Tamika Castillo. Like I'm not making this stuff up. These things exist. So now that we know that these things exist, what are we planning to do with it? Because mm. the little boy turns into the teenager. Yes. He turns into the adult who becomes somebody's husband or somebody's father. And if he never dealt with his issues that the six-year-old boy had, he's going to be 26 and thinking that he suppressed. Let me say that correct. That he correctly suppressed those past emotions. And then who is to say that an episode is not going to present itself and he's going to lash out. Mm. And of course, the first thing we say that they're aggressive, they're arrogant, they're ignorant. Hey, bookworms, what's going on? Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to learn more about the podcast, you can visit empresszinga.com slash the right women podcast. That's empress, Z-I-N-G-H-A, to see our growing digital bookshelf and past episodes. You can also drop us a line at the right women podcast at gmail.com. I've been your host and storyteller, Empress Zynga from Barbados, reminding you to always believe in your magic. See you next chapter.